Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Doors of Portland. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving West Portland out to Hillsboro, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we are honored to have Alexander Flores visiting us today. Alexander is the Republican nominee or running for running for state senate in district 15. Did I get that right? Correct. Okay. And uh if you couldn't tell by his last name, Alexander Flores is a Latino. And one of the things we want to talk about today is how the Republican Party can be more friendly to the Latino community and we have a kind of have a perception of being the party of old white men, old white straight men. And how can we move past that and reach out to some of these minority communities? So, Alexander, again, welcome to the podcast. Hey, well, thank you for having me. Thank you very really much. I appreciate you you guys having me here. So you're running for state Senate. Uh, what made you make that decision? So I ran for the state Senate last year in 2018. And one of the major things that I wanted to learn and understand and make people understand or help people understand is the concept of being a Republican and being able to make the right kind of noise in our community. So, you know, we have a um, Republican president right now who's making a lot of noise, although sometimes not good. There are some opportunities there for, you know, to become a better pillar uh, to the, you know, Latino community, right? President Donald Trump is viewed as, you know, a bigot and uh, racist and everything else. So, when I ran as a Latino, as a Republican, I'm like, okay, so how are they going to take my actions? Are they going to call me a bigot, a racist, right? <laughs> I have heard people of color referred, who are Republicans referred to as white supremacists before. <laughs> like, that's a real thing that happens. So can I ask your opinion on something? Does the GOP need to focus on creating better, more inclusive, more welcoming policies? Or does the GOP have a PR problem? And just we have somebody in the White House that we have who comes off as a bigot and a racist, whether he is or he isn't, people perceive him that way. And we just need to put a different spin on it. Or is it a little from column A, a little from column B? You know, I really think it has to deal with a little bit of both, right? I don't, I don't think we're doing as a party, we're doing a good job of reaching out to Latino community or any minority group in general, right? So I think one of the things that I would like to focus on is bringing more, more of us to the forefront, that there are more uh, Republican Latinos and minority uh, folks out there that want to make a difference in our community. And not just because we are Republicans, but because we care for our community. If you look at some of the tax burden that we're going to be taking on here in 2020, it's going to be pretty bad. And regardless whether you're a Republican or otherwise, how can we bring forward the attention that we need here in Oregon, right? So that's what I was trying to do is bring the attention of 
look, you're going to have a super majority in Salem. Do we really want that? No, because you're only going to have one party making a decision for the rest of us, right? If you look at rural Oregon, even in Western Washington County, we are completely different out there. And just to say, you know, that as a Latino, I got it. I won the primary, you know. So, I mean, that really goes to show that Washington County is different. I'll continue to be curious to ask, what are some of the things that you see in the either here in the state in general in certain candidates that have run or in the party platform itself where you look at that and you say, that's real low hanging fruit. That's a really easy thing. This is a policy that we can advocate for. This is a candidate that we can get behind who would really show the GOP to be a, in fact, more inclusive, more welcoming organization instead of just perennially ostracized as this old, white, straight party. So I think one of the things, you know, I didn't get a chance to go to the uh, platform this year, but one of the things that I did two years ago when I went to the Oregon Platform Convention was try to focus on why do we put so much emphasis on our language and the language that we use, which is mm-hmm. English, right? Mm-hmm. We are predominantly, we are supposed to speak English, right? But when you go to other countries, people, you know, speak other their language of origin, right? Mm-hmm. So I totally get where we're coming from, where, yes, we speak English, but also understand that we have other ethnicities and other groups that are in this country. Well, an interesting point that I like to point out is the United States of America does not have a official language. You know, English is the language that we all speak on most of us, but that is not an official language in the United States. When their party and people in general say, Hey, speak English or get out of here. I was like, well, no, you can speak whatever language you want. And yeah, predominantly we speak English, but I think it, because what they want is they want signs and stuff to be in English only or or something like that. I don't know why it's such a big deal to have Spanish in there as well or any other language for that matter. And I think from a business perspective, you have to reach out to whoever your customers are. And if your customers are predominantly English speakers, then you put your signs in English. If they're mixed, you can do whatever you think is going to drive your business. Just let the free market decide. Well, and I, the, like the language thing has always just been a trip for me because, well, so A, I lived in seven years in El Paso, Texas, where it's like 80% of the population speaks Spanish as a first language. And so it's like, okay, like you get a real hip check living somewhere like that. And obviously Oregon, that's not the case. But the people who are the big drivers of, yeah, we need to make English the national language, make sure English first, English only, whatever, are the same people who will go to Italy or go to Germany and barely bother to learn to say grazie or dankeschön or something like that. And, you know, you look at your (laughs) server and you're just like, water, water. And, like, get mad if they don't speak your English language when you flew halfway across the world to go to somebody else's country and somebody else's culture. And it's like, why, what is the, the difficulty here of... Look, you speak English. Congratulations. That's great for you. But yeah, if there's somebody who owns a business that serves a community that's primarily comprised of speakers of another language, what's the problem with that? What's Why would we try to exclude those people from being part of our party? And I think that's one of the things that we should focus on is look at our look at the GOP as potentially looking at it like a business, right? Yeah. And who are stakeholders, one, and then who are customers, who are clients, right? And then try to focus on their needs or or try to focus on what we need from them, right? Because essentially, if you look at 2020, you are looking at the Latino community being the number one at the top 
most minority in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so regardless of whether we want to capture their votes, we want to capture their ideas, we want to capture, you know, the mentality or anything, we need to be able to focus and understand where they're coming from so that we can, you know, showcase that, yes, we are a Republican Party, but... One of the major things that I like to focus on or, or talk about, too, is like if the Republican Party is known to be uh, bigots or racist, then how come at the previous administration with Obama, we had more people being deported than any sitting president? So that's, mm-hmm. a you know, people see that they recognize that, but they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's the rhetoric, I think, that makes people upset. I Dated a girl for a while back who uh, was Mexican who worked at the the Mexican consulate here in Portland. And right when Trump got elected, she got a flood of people coming into the consulate to get their paperwork in order and whatever. And she was saying, nothing's changed. It's the exact same thing. The only thing that has changed is the rhetoric. None of the laws have changed. None of the policies have changed. Deportations had not increased. At, I mean, this is early 2017 after Trump got uh, inaugurated, but she's like, nothing's changed, but just people are afraid of that rhetoric of what he was saying. But I think, honestly, I think that that's, that's a problem. I think that with or without a policy change, people respond to rhetoric, especially when it comes from somebody like the president of the United States. And if the perception is that we are a party that does not include minorities, whether those are sexual or racial, that becomes reality, even if the policies don't follow it. And this is, I think, a perfect example of when people on our side of the aisle talk about a left-wing media bias, a bunch of people on the left are like, no, no, there's just fake Fox News, and then there's you can go get real news from like The Economist and CNN and NPR and whatever. And it's like, no, this is exactly what we're talking about when we say there's a left-wing bias. This exact same thing happened under the Obama administration, but because Obama was the savior of the Democratic Party, and everybody in the country found him so inspiring and so hopeful and every single thing. Now, when Donald Trump continues the exact same policies, mind you, to a lesser extent, but because it gets talked about on the media, now people are so fearful. People will rush in like like it's going out of business or something. Well, what about the photos of the kids in cages at the southern border that were taken during the Obama administration and then attributed to Trump? I mean, granted, Trump continued those policies, which is not good. I mean, that that sort of thing should never happen. But the fact that these photos were taken during the Obama administration just kind of shows you exactly what, what you're talking about. You know, again, going back to that point, you know, I think, again, people forget or don't want to remember that Obama actually created some of those cages for the illegal immigrant issues for those people who were trying to come over here illegally, right? Those were all created under his administration. And again, our president is trying to enforce it, you know, and when I talk to my kids, so just so everybody knows, I have five kids and two grandkids, right? Okay. And then I've got my 26-year-old with my two grandkids, and then my twins are 19, so when I talk to my twins about it, you know, they've got so much flack at school because they mm. they look at things as law, right? And so if you look at my kids, they're just as brown as I am. And I know you, people on the radio can't hear or see <laughs> me, but uh, I, I'm pretty brown. You know, I, I'm brown and I'm proud, but mostly I'm proud to be a Republican. But, you know, when they, they got so much flack because they were viewing things as what is the law, right? If we want to make changes to the law, then get involved get the legislative changed, right? Get those laws changed. But Democrats had so much power for eight years. And what did they do for the uh, illegal immigrants here in, in the States? 
Obama got them DACA? I mean, poor kids. Some of those kids are suffering right now thinking they're going to get deported, right? And they've been mm-hmm. in our society for so many years, making a difference, paying their taxes, and they're going to suffer because those legislators, folks, did not get it done, where I really truly believe Republicans want to get something done on that aspect. Certainly. Absolutely. That's a good amount of what's going on at the at the federal level in the last, at least in the last two administrations. What are some of the things that you see happening to the Hispanic community here in the state of Oregon and some of the policies that might get advanced by the state legislature, by the governor that might have motivated you to run? I think one of the biggest keys. So I ran for the uh, school board prior to running for uh, the state Senate in 2016, Okay, because one of the things is that I saw that was. Uh, the lack of education our kids were getting. So again, my 26-year-old now, you know, when she was going through high school, she would be done with school because she was ahead, right? So instead of providing a more meaningful education level where maybe we can talk about, you know, civic and our duties as, you know, uh, citizens, right? She was able to go home and then do whatever she wanted to do after that, right? So I think we need to focus, refocus on what our schools are doing, especially here in Oregon. You know, our school system is failing. Really, it is. Yeah. You know, we mm-hmm. need to be able to provide our kids with the level of education that even some of the folks from Mexico, Germany, you, t- you talk to some, they are required to take another language. They are required mm-hmm. to do so much math and science and the real stuff, right? I think we sugarcoat so much of what we do here in Oregon to the extent where our kids are losing. And not just compared to other countries, but compared to other states. And I don't, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but I think Oregon We're not is- big on stats. We don't <laughs> facts, not so much with this podcast. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put an editor's note after I look it up. But Oregon is something like 40th in the nation when it comes to high school graduation. I think it's worse. It was 48th is, on the campaign. That's one of the things 48? Newt talked about all the time. Yeah. Anyway, it's down near, very near the bottom. I thought it was- I thought it was like Alabama and Mississippi are usually at the bottom. Yeah, and it's, it's like some r- other ones in the south. It's real bad. In anyway, the point is we spend a lot. Again, I'll look this up later. We spend a lot per student and we get very comparatively low graduation rates. So it's like, what is going on here? Adding more money to the budget and spending more money on education is clearly not what we need. And a lot of that money is probably going to PERS which means it's not going to the classroom. It's going to the public employee retirement system, which is a, go listen to the podcast on that one, uh, listeners, because like <laughs> I want to read. like eight per podcast. I, I know, right? But I think it was Alan Alley said, every financial problem in the state can be traced back to PERS. It's a PERS problem. If yep. we fix PERS, we fix all the financial problems in the state. Maybe not all. That might be hyperbole, but a lot of them if we fix PERS. And unfortunately, you know, for those of us who are running and or are in the legislative uh, sessions now, when we look at PERS, we all get looked at as we are the problem, right? Mm -hmm. When reality was this problem was created or this issue was created, what, 40, 50 years ago? ago, Right, which are none of those folks who created this concern or issue are now in legislative sessions. So how do we fix that, right? And again, going back to your point, that's a different discussion. Purse is definitely, you can talk about it <laughs> for days and worms, days. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a hugely complex yeah. problem. Well, and it's, it's something at back of the envelope math, just something that gets thrown around at cocktail parties, but it's something like half of all the new taxes that get raised, you know, PPS bond issue, whatever. It's something like half of that just goes to finance the debt for PERS, which is just ridiculous. Somebody goes around the state saying, 
we're going to inject a billion new dollars into Oregon schools, into Portland schools, whatever. And you're going to take half of that right off the top. And it's never going to get anywhere into class. And again, like my wife is a teacher and I can tell you firsthand that she spends her own money and goes out and has to buy supplies. She takes her own time every single time they say, oh, this money's going in the classroom. Don't you want to have better kids? It's like, yeah, man, I'd love it. If you're actually going to give me this money that you're saying you're going to get, never happens that way. It's going to go into the, the purse system. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I heard through the district when I was running last year is people were afraid that. We as Republicans wanted to take PERS away from them. And it's not exactly that way, right? What we wanted to do and what I want to make sure we do that, how do we fix the financial issues we have going on now so that our kids in the future, my grandkids have a better future. So now to finish my story with my five kids and two grandkids is <laughs> I do have a five year old and a 17 month old boy. So I have a deep vested interest to make sure that not just Oregon gets taken care of, but my family gets taken care of. Because I hear so many stories of people saying, well, I'm just going to move to Utah or, you know, Idaho. Please don't. We yeah. need as many Republicans or yeah. we want, we need as many sane people to stay in the state so we can make a difference. You know, that's, I've heard that argument a couple of times from people when I, my left leaning friends who, when I tell them I'm a Republican and not a huge Trump fan, they say, well, why don't you, Unregister. Why don't you go NAV? Why don't you go Democrat? Carl Rohde on our last episode made a really good point. He says, I refuse to abandon my ship to the pirates. That's right. He says, this, this is the party. I was a Republican back before, back when Donald Trump was a Democrat. This is the party that, and, and it's worth fighting for. And That's if right. we just abandon ship and go to the other side or unaffiliate or, you know, vote third party, we are essentially giving up the party to these radicals, I don't call them radicals, the people that were, you know, are, are responsible, I would say, for the, what we're getting, the, the hatred, the, the bigotry, the, those type of folks. We need to stay and we need to, to fight and vote against them, not just abandon the party. And I think that's one of the things that I, I like to tell people that we in the Flores family have a saying is that we never give up. So, you know, I want to make sure and uh, make, make some noise. And I've always been a PCP in the, in Washington County. So, you know, one of the things that I would like to do is, you know, make sure that our party keeps doing what we do in order to make the right kind of noise. But it's one of those things where we're going to have to work pretty hard to get it done. So, yeah, I was able to go actually speak to the Washington County recently. Uh, Nick was supposed to come, but you came down with 102 fever that morning. Yeah, that, that was morning. Gnarly. So, Sorry, Washington County people. I really, I was looking forward to that for months. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, Xander, who's a regular podcast uh, guest, I guess he's been on six or seven. Yeah, of he's these. been on a bunch. Um, I was able to sit up there with me, and and we talked to Washington County and had a great time. Had a great discussion and talked about uh, the need for a moderate voice in the Republican Party, and talked about Bueller and. Uh, yeah, just a great, great discussion. So I have a lot of, lot of f affinity for the uh, Washington County folks. Well, interesting thing. I was gonna, I'm gonna run for a delegate here in January. So hopefully, I get elected to be part of the, uh, you know, delegate. And again, it's, it's not about having power. It's about making the right kind of noise and what we need in Washington County, right? All right, Washington County voters, if you're listening to this, you know what you got to do. Alexander Flores, got to get Alexander in there. Cool. I was a bonus delegate to the uh, the platform convention last go around, and that was a good experience. I had, I enjoyed it. So I have a question for you. Changing topics a little bit. How do you feel about the term Latinx? 
I'm sure you're familiar with it. I've heard it. It's sort of the so for listeners who may not be. <laughs> <laughs> I, wait, so so, I just, so again because our listeners can't see. So what just happened was James was going through his question, and Alexander looked very pensive for a second and a half or two seconds, and then just started chuckling uncontrollably <laughs> away from the microphone. And I'm not sure what caused that, but I'm, there's going to be a good story here. <laughs> so here's the deal. I think. And it's nothing negative. It's nothing that I want to say that's going to be, you know, negative towards our own Latino community, but millennials. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. Millennials, you know, I think. Yeah. Is it millennials within the Latin community or because this is this is my theory is that it's white people. OK, so, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it is very much so, because so when I was running last year, right, we had. 67 high school kids volunteering on my campaign, mm-hmm. right? And wow. we had a majority of them were Latino, hmm. right? And most of them were always telling me, I'm sick and tired of having a white savior. We need somebody like you, hmm. no matter what, that can represent our community in general. It's not about being the white savior, but it was more important for them to understand where we were coming from. Mm-hmm. As not just as a Republican Party, but also as folks that are running and trying to make decisions for a future. Because once again, Latinos are going to be major minorities in the state and throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So how do we accomplish a bigger goal? To me, the bigger goal is going to be is to reach out to those kids and help them understand who we are as Republicans. Right. Because I myself, I like what Donald Trump has been doing. I dislike his side conversations and <laughs> yeah. tweets and whatnot. <laughs> well but said. that's a, again, that's a whole different ballgame. I am a Ronald Reagan Republican. Hmm. You know, that man did so much for our country, not just for our country in general, but also for the immigrant folks. So that to me is, is major. Plus, my mom joked around at, at some point because I grew up without a dad. Uh, she always said, you know, that guy, Ronald Reagan, he's your dad. So, <laughs> which is uh, maybe a different podcast for later. <laughs> Not a bad dad to have. So just as a bit of a follow up to that and as a, you know, at least mildly call to action, if we can, what's a good thing for two white Republicans who are sitting here other than doing it on a podcast? Like, what can the party do to better put a face on that says, hey, we're trying to do more. We're trying to reach out. We're trying to be more inclusive and we want to do policies. We want to enact legislation that benefits all all Oregonians, all Americans, regardless of your race. One of the major things we can do as a Republican Party is just ask tactful questions. Okay. Hmm. Period. Because I myself, I like to... So before we sat here and started the podcast, I asked you where you were. I asked Nick where you worked and what you did. And I want to understand where you're coming from. And I want to understand who you guys are. Right. And then the same with the people that I represent. Mm-hmm. I want to understand every person that I meet. And so when we talk about being Republican, I think we're asking questions, but I think white people are asking questions. Hmm. But are they tactful enough mm-hmm. where they're going to let a Latino or black person or Indian or any other ethnicity group open up? Hmm. How can we do a better job of being tactful? about asking certain questions. Well, that's tact is 
not something that's really synonymous <laughs> with uh, the Republican Party and the Trump administration. That's Lord knows, hopefully that's something we can get back. <laughs> well, just going back to something you said earlier that really kind of struck with me is looking at the party as a business. And I think if you look at the voters as your customers, you really kind of changes the way that you that you look at things. And I think that maybe if we started looking at things that way, it this is brand new thought to me. I hadn't <laughs> not not fully formed in my head, but just um, that might be a good way to to start those things is look at what our what are our constituents want and how can we serve the constituents rather than these crazy purity tests or, you know, whatever we have put in the platform. Agreed. And so, you know, for me, one of the things that they did against me on um, in my district was they said that Donald Trump and I were the same person. Hmm. And I'll show you guys a commercial. Later. It's quite it's quite comical. <laughs> but but it's it's those kind of things. You know, I the person did not this individual did not talk about his accomplishments for our county. Mm hmm. And I always spoke about the things that I wanted to do for the county, which is bring more attention to the money. Where is the money going? My opponent always talked about uh, having money for Portland so they can relieve traffic. You know, I travel from Hillsboro to Portland every day to work. Mm -hmm. And it's not getting any better. And it's not going to get any better because Highway 26, that's your artery, right? Mm -hmm. If one accident, you're done. So how do you... I wanted to understand how to get ODOT to fix Highway 26. That would be a great thing. I would say, so this is Portland specific, but PBOT, Portland Bureau of Transportation, is without question trying to increase congestion. And it, they're not even hiding it. Like that is that is what they're trying to do. And they're trying to push people to public transit because they, they feel that it's a more equitable solution. And like, okay, I get it. They think if they make driving so unbearable, people will take the bus. And while that's true for some people, it's not true for everyone. There are still tons of people. I mean, how long would it take you to take the bus from Hillsboro into your, because you have to go up to Swan Island. Like, is there even public transit that goes up there? Or would it take you just seven hours to get to work? It would take, I've done it before. Mm -hmm. And it took me about an hour and 45 minutes. Ugh. Yuck. And, you know, again, yeah. Who wants to spend that much time, you know, where I can spend relatively about 45 minutes in my car, yeah. right? I can listen to a podcast like this one, which is a great one. <laughs> everybody thank, should thank do. <laughs> Route 26 commuters. Right, everybody yeah. should do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, aside from that, like we have so many people that don't have the means to ride the max, right? Mm. And or take the bus into work. So there are sometimes because of the way the buses work, they come... I, I, the, the hub, hub and spoke basically, right? So that they come in and out and they go to a hub and then they go back out again. And so there are some places where a drive will take 20 minutes and the bus will take an hour or Correct. more. And I think if you were to tell a liberal politician that, they would say, well, we just need more funding. We need more bus routes. We need more whatever. But you're only talking about a handful of people. And so you're going to have empty buses or like with two or three people going on these routes, which is just not sustainable. The argument that buses will carry x number of people per hour whereas cars are significantly fewer like i get that if your buses are full but if you have empty buses going on routes that are that are seldom tra traveled it, it just doesn't work so i'm part of the uh, council for economic and racial equity for uh prosper portland 
And one of the things that we're looking at is how do we make a difference within the Portland community? You, so mm-hmm. I know people are going to be like, well, this guy's from Hillsborough. What's he doing? <laughs> so I work in Portland, and a lot of what we do at Daimler Trucks North America is – you know, focus on how to make things better. We have a big biking community, you know, and we support the elect- you know electronic cars and everything else. So, yeah. but that's one of the things that how do we focus better paying jobs so mm-hmm. that you can live and work at the same same city? And I think that's one of the key components that we have. Affordable housing is a big problem. We have again taxes. You know, as sound like maybe Alan Iverson taxes. We talking about taxes? <laughs> yes, we're talking about taxes. People understand it. Like Solid learn difference. about it, right? So you know, I, I think we need to get back to the real issues, right? Yeah. Again, it's going back to how do we make this a better place to work, a better place to live, a affordable place to be. I think we're losing that. Interesting. So as as a Daimler trucks guy, um, how far out do you think we are from autonomous vehicles? Wow. <laughs> wow. Really? You just threw that at me? Totally changed I, the direction of this podcast. I, so I, I was not, we're, we're not that far. Not so, that far. So yeah. Daimler has an, an autonomous truck yeah. that we tested in, two years ago, last year. Uh, over in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, like with anything, you have to refine it, make it better, or make it stronger, do whatever you can. But we're also working on electronic trucks, so yeah. electric trucks. So I used to work at Intel, and same thing. Like they were. So my my guess. See, I had an answer to this already. Uh, <laughs> Mark of a good podcaster. Between, Ask the question, you know the answer to. <laughs> between five and ten years, five and yeah. ten years before we have commercially available autonomous vehicles. And this is the, uh, a comment that I made on at a different interview is that will totally rev- revolutionize the way that we go from one place to another. As soon as you have a Lyft or an Uber that will go from one side of the city to the other without having to pay for a driver, which is the highest cost in an electric vehicle that doesn't require a whole lot of maintenance, if you're going to go from East Portland to West Portland for $3 and it's going to take you the time it takes to drive your car. When that happens, and it will happen soon, five to 10 years, podcast, this is, uh, mark that down, 2025, mark it down to your calendars. When that happens, public transit will be obsolete. No one will take the bus because for $3, you can go f- across town or you can take the bus and take significantly longer. And so we just putting all of this money and infrastructure into light rail and bus dedicated bus lines. And while great in theory, five years from now, it'll be obsolete. No one will take it. There'll be empty buses driving in circles. And our current leadership has is not preparing for it at all. And the same thing we talk about automation in, the, in, in any industry, right? Mm-hmm. Automation is going to be key. When we talk about bringing jobs to Oregon and to the States, you know, what does that really mean? So we're taking jobs away from, you know, other countries to bring them here. Are we going to automate those jobs? And then, which, oh, man, see, now I went into a different. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. So if we even start creating automation, we still need engineers and, you know, software to make that happen, mm-hmm. right? So how do we get our kids? Again, I go back to education because education should be number one. How do we get those kids educated enough to fulfill those jobs instead of outsourcing those jobs to Germany, yeah, India, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mexico, you know, we want our kids here in the United States to be able to learn those jobs, not just trades, but those jobs, engineering jobs that are going to get those positions. So 
Well, and it feels like, I mean, in previous generations, you, you'd graduate high school. If you went to college, you'd graduate college and you'd find a job at GM or Columbia or Intel here in Portland, Nike. And that was your career. You started at 22 and you'd work for 35 or 40 years and you'd retire there and you just got better and better at the job that you had. You'd get promotions and everything. And now people, uh, James, you're in my age, people change jobs two or three or five or 10 times in the course of their career. And it's so difficult to go up to somebody who's 45 or 50 right now who grew up in the first world, the the example that I had first given and say, <laughs> yeah, well, we all grew up in the first yeah, one, yeah, but no. it, and, and say, look, I, you, I, I know you thought you were going to have I this think, job for I your, think, I think we had one listener in Azerbaijan. So <laughs> just, Hey, there not, you go. Not everyone. First world. Sorry. Not continue. A, well, <laughs> well, at least the, th- the three of us at this table, at least the Azerbaijani, I, I don't know. I hope he grew up in a nice part of Azerbaijan. <laughs> at least there's that. I don't know. But, if you go up to somebody and say, "Hey, we know that you thought you had this this gig figured out and you're good to go, but now all of a sudden you're going to have to get retrained and be an Uber driver or something like that." And it's just like that's an incredibly difficult proposition because there's not the training there to say, "Okay, let me go through and it's a new skill set to learn, but I've got the same basic platform or whatever." It's a it's a whole, I mean, you can't go from you know, pressing things on an assembly line to learning SQL and spitting code out day after day. Like that's two completely different skill sets. Yeah. yeah. But it's not that hard. Just so you know. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I use that example because I tried to teach myself some SQL and I was like, hey, this is way easier than trying to do a bunch of Excel and index match or V lookups or something like that. Exactly. I was like, why was I using this my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, dude, that that's another thing. Actually, if you get the Excel people going on index match versus V lookup, oh, that's yeah. like that's civil war right there. We think ducks and beavers is a big rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why people use index match. It's so much longer. You have to put in so many different variables. <laughs> the funny a, thing is, I don't I'm even know what that guy. is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. What is index match? We'll talk about it later. Never mind. We'll talk. <laughs> You just said SQL was easy. Index match is like SQL, like beginner kindergarten stuff. Oh man, see, so I'm way ahead of the game then. That's uh, yeah, exactly. You you skipped the first couple grades. You're exactly, just, you're good to go. Listeners, stay tuned for our new podcast, Excel. <laughs> Nick and James talk the intricacies of VLOOKUP versus index match. Well, you know, oh coming God. coming from a for the one listener who's out there, you know, I <laughs> we got like four. There's okay, four of them. sorry, four. You know, I actually dropped out of school when I was in ninth grade. Mm. And I went to get my GED soon after that. And I just graduated my with my bachelor's in business in 2008. Wow, congratulations. Okay. Thank you. And so, but what I tell people, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you got lucky. No, I worked my tail off to get to where <laughs> I'm at, you know? And they look at me like, again, not television. I dress pretty casual. And for most Latinos, you might see either in a landscaping event or at, you know, working at Burger King or something. And no, the fact is, is that you can make a difference. It's not about having a handout, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's by getting a helping hand. And that's sure. what I did. You know, I got a helping hand and I made the best out of it. I worked my tail off to get to where I'm at. So it's, there's a, there's a saying, and again, don't have it in front of me, but the harder you work, the luckier you get. I'd be curious for your thoughts. We had a guest on who was gay, and I can't remember if it was on mic or off mic, but I remember asking him, are you a gay person who happens to be a Republican or a Republican who happens to be gay? 
And for him, it was a little easier because he can't just look at him and know that he's gay. But are you a Hispanic who happens to be a Republican or are you a Republican who happens to be Hispanic? I consider myself a Republican who happens to be Hispanic. Is that right? Or okay. Latino. Yeah, because okay. I, I truly believe. So here's one of the biggest things that most listeners wouldn't understand. So a Latino like myself, you know, I grew up in the 80s and I saw some nasty stuff. You know, I grew up in gangs. I grew up in Latinos were fighting blacks, blacks uh, fighting each other. We were mm-hmm. all fighting every single other race, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up that way and moving here to Portland uh, just over 20 years ago was the most amazing thing I have ever I have ever known. Because believe it or not, Portland and or Washington County were a lot more red than we are now. Hmm. And that's what I loved about Portland you know, Washington County is. And that's one of the reasons why I stayed in Washington County is because of that. It was red. It was great. But it was the the type of red where you can get away with not saying certain things or understanding certain things and not knowing it, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Well, it's it's one of those things because it's anymore. It's so easy for us to, uh, I mean, one of my friends at work was out on a date and he was telling me he just got roasted on Saturday night because the girl brought up politics and he said, I don't dislike anybody. I'm not anybody's biggest fan. I'm not anybody's best friend. I don't dislike anybody. I trust that they all have good intentions. Like, here's the policies that I think are good for me. And she was on the other side of it. And she just hmm. tried to take him to town. And it's just like, why? If you've had a nice time with a person, why would you find, like, intentionally dig into something that you are clearly going to disagree on? And it's so easy to identify people by their political leaning anymore and it's i mean it's also obviously very easy before anybody opens their mouth it's very easy to identify somebody by their race and it's like oh this is a person who is of a different skin color than me and so i for you for somebody who's two others here in portland it's like ah you're you're checking a lot of minority boxes there yeah and you know so one of the funny things is, is i consider myself a triple minority right i was a minority running in the republican party mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. in the uh primary I was a Latino running in a in Washington County, which predominantly pretty white. white. Exactly. Yeah. That's what. And, and I tried to help so many people understand. Washington County is completely different. Hmm. You know, give me a chance. I always looked at is how do we make a difference in our community? Hmm. That's all I focused on. I never attacked my opponent on any other issues. Which I should have. Now, look, you know, In looking back, at, yeah. right? Exactly. Looking back at it, I should have, you know. But that's not the person I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not the type of. I'm, I've always told people I'm a lover, not a fighter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think that for Republicans to win in Oregon, we need to keep the discussion local. I think as soon as it goes national, we end up losing because there is such hatred for Trump in this in this state if we can talk about local issues if we can talk about the overreach in salem and you met you alluded to this earlier and i lost my mind and couldn't figure out what i was going to say but the two things that stick out to me is one the gross receipts tax and two is the driver's license for undocumented immigrants so regardless of where you stand on those two things those two things were ballot measures the voters in oregon voted both of them down we we've had something like four ballot measures on a sales tax and we have defeated all of them but our salem leadership has decided that overlords. they were going to go what's that overlords yes our, our salem overlords <laughs> has, have decided that 
that they knew better than the Oregon voters and they were going to do it anyway. So if we can focus on these people who we have elected to represent us do not represent us, they have already demonstrated on at least two examples that they are going to go completely contrary to what the voters have decided. What's the next thing they're going to do? So if we can, if we can stay local, we can, like, they, we can win. As soon as things start going to Trump, pro-Trump versus anti-Trump, we're going to lose. And I think that's going to be the Democrat strategy. And, and that's what they did with Bueller in 2018 is they, they were saying a vote for a Republican is a vote for Trump. They did it. I had, <laughs> I had Alexander's face right there. You all didn't see it, but, uh, <laughs> they did it. There, there were Kate Brown sent out email blasts to her constituents saying a vote for Bueller is a is a vote for Trump despite the fact that he was pro LGBT pro choice you know pro environment pro environment it a, must have a, been the same uh, campaign manager as my opponent I was going to say probably yeah, was you yeah. are familiar yeah. with that, the word oh, yeah that's why i made that face like <laughs> yeah. what really that, that happens in Oregon that is no way. the playbook <laughs> that is the democrat playbook is if you can take that r next to someone's name and attribute that to like trump they're going to win every time and they're going to try it again in 2020. Mark my words. So we are just about out of time. Alexander, one thing we'd like to do before we end our episode is ask our guest, who is your favorite Republican, living or dead? I think I alluded to him earlier. You did. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You know, again, the man did magical would be understating because of what he's done or what he did. But I think for me, he did so many things, not just for the immigrant community, but for all Americans. And I will always be honored and proud to say I am a Ronald Reagan Republican. Excellent. I think this is our first repeat. Our first, I think someone else had Ronald Reagan as their their favorite. He's a good Only guy. two. Only two? Well, I, I was honestly expecting <laughs> that is surprising. to get a lot more Reagans and Lincolns. That's I right. I mean, that's, those are kind of the, the two the staples. Two for us. But, yeah. Um, I think it's the first time we've had someone a repeat. So congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I think we're going to end the podcast. Listeners, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to The Rational Republican. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or you can listen on our website, jamesaball.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, and if you're feeling extra generous, you can visit our Patreon site, at patreon.com slash rationalrepublican. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.